1: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at SleepNumber Stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
2: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed and this particular episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the return of Luke Skywalker, the Disney Gallery episode focusing on the final episode of Season 2 of Mandalorian, which, I don't know if you heard, spoiler, ends with Luke Skywalker and we're going to talk about that Disney Gallery episode. We're excited to do it. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
3: I'm Cat Napsock. Man, we love looking behind the scenes, but man, the things we can learn about the Star Wars sagas we love by just listening to the creators is also valuable. And plus seeing... Mark Hamill playing with the Star Wars toy.
2: <laughs> we got to see creators play with toys, and it was like we were listening to felonian and Favreau do their very own Star Wars podcast. So that was very nice. Before we get into all that, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download in a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland. We're getting it on our schedules. We're going to be discussing that newest High Republic book very, very soon. If you want to be all caught up, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com. Again, AudibleTrial.com slash Center for a free audio book. But that is not all, Ken. What else do we have?
3: That's right. We still have this great offer from Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. And they're offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, enter the coupon code FC35. Or visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Lightsaber Collection, a beautiful collection of lightsabers. It's all in the title. Check it out with the code FC35.
2: Yeah, it's a good one for us to be celebrating today because this episode of Disney Gallery has lots of beautiful green Luke Skywalker lightsaber. And there's a picture of that in the book. Anyway, let's dive into this episode of Disney Gallery. Uh, Disney Gallery has been a series they've been doing for Mandalorian. Uh, They've been doing a whole great one for season one. Then they did one episode for season two that didn't have anything about that final episode. And now here, uh, a few months down the line, we get this whole episode that's all about the Mandalorian season two finale and focusing truly just on the return of Luke Skywalker with a little side of R2-D2. But it's really about that end. And it's about a 40 minute special. So let's dive into talking about them talking about the Mandalorian. So, Ken, here's where I want to start. You know, some time has passed. And I want to know if your feelings have changed. How are you feeling about Luke's appearance in The Mandalorian, both from a, a character storytelling perspective and now from a tech perspective?
3: Yeah, that's a great question to start this discussion here. I, I, I've uh, I have not gone back and visited Mandalorian season two uh, since it aired. I uh, haven't done a rewatch, nothing like that. That'll happen eventually, of course. Just as a fan or as a podcaster, I'm sure we'll do that. <laughs> uh, it, it, so the, that that moment, that that finale, everything about it still. Still, it's pretty strong in my mind. I still, I still really enjoy it. I still really think it's a great use of a character, at just the right time, and it's intriguing. And is hopefully, uh, potentially, maybe can lead to more storytelling. It definitely has already led to a great poster, right? <laughs> Grogu, lightsaber crystals, all that stuff. Uh, but I still love that. The tech stuff, I was on that side of, uh, you know, all right, it it hit, like it, it hit, it, it was good, it was good, it was all right, it was fine, it worked, and it tripped me up a little bit, and, and I can't deny that. Uh, and there was some stuff in this episode that made me look back on the on the tech at the time. And I don't have as much uh, worry about it now. And I know there's eh, they you know, they brought in this uh, deepfake expert we heard later on this not even really even covered in the gallery. Uh, Maybe they're, you know, they improved it. Yeah, sure. Great. But I I loved Richard Bluff saying with the deepfake technology at the time, they still needed to go with the direction they felt. And I really enjoyed getting that perspective and insight why they made the choice and why they went ahead and, and, and did it. And and uh, I think I'm even more positive on it now.
2: Oh, that's great. I, I really love hearing that. And I, I agree with you. That was, I think, for the tech conversation, probably the key quote of Richard Bluff saying for the the way the technology existed at the time and with the speed that deep fake is moving, right? It, it is changing a month later. Um Yeah, I think this was really fun for me to revisit just the idea of Luke uh, coming back through this Disney Gallery special because uh, I've thought about it a lot, but I haven't rewatched the episodes either. That's just a function of time and wanting to watch a lot of other things. I really deeply love season two and can't wait to just sit down and and go on the ride again and see how it impacts differently or or just go through the, the joy again. But for me, I'm still just incredibly in love with the character stuff and the storytelling stuff. It is uh, There's a lot in this episode where they talk about it's fun to see Luke in his prime as a Jedi. What kind of Jedi stuff was he up to? And I just so deeply love the simple core of the storytelling in season two that Grogu is a child who needs help and Luke is one of the only people who could possibly give it to him. And he calls out and Luke shows up. And the fact that that hallway scene gets compared to uh, Vader and Rogue One on an aesthetic level, I think, is, is fine. That's great. But I so love comparing them uh, from the thematic and the storytelling perspective of Vader, you know, slashing humans out of a need for uh, control and dominance and power. And Luke uh, cutting down some robots so he can help a child who asked for his help. That is always going to be powerful to me, uh, I think. Filoni talked about this those initial moments that build up those are almost even more exciting to me than seeing his face right of the x-wing and the great one x-wing and the oh no here it comes that you know all that all that build up to Luke and that build up of seeing that the power of a Jedi makes a difference that the rest of these badasses are thinking they might be doomed and Luke's just like bye 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 you're in my way (laughs) yeah All that stuff is still just incredibly powerful to me, and it was really, really great uh, to revisit that. Luke's dialogue is so spot on, the emphasis on training and choice. So I just am absolutely in love with it from a character and a storytelling perspective to the point where the tech of his face is sort of like, "Eh, it doesn't really matter to me in the end because i've i've so bought in on everything else so the tech for me it was really great to hear how they went about doing it uh and revisiting it again i still say what i said right at the beginning it's fabulous when i look into luke's eyes and don't pay too much attention to his mouth <laughs> <laughs> that's where i'm at with the uh, with the tech
3: yeah we're gonna get into some of the the more detailed discussions on the tech. And there were some great quotes from a lot of people about why it worked for some, why it doesn't work for others. Why, you know, I I thought of myself who, I watched Rogue One. I'm like, you you guys, you guys can tell the difference between Peter Cushing and that? Cause I love, I've loved it from day one and moment (laughs) one and I have no problem with it. And 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 it's just, uh, it's, it's truly our perspective. It's a Star Wars lesson.
2: Yes. Yes. your perspective really does make a big difference on Luke's face, as they talked about in this episode, which I Mm -hmm. thought was really, really great. I'm going to sneak in a quick question because I forgot to write this down and I felt like it was a question that was hovering over this Disney Gallery episode and they didn't acknowledge. Uh, How would you feel about a special edition of this episode of The Mandalorian if it if they wanted to do more tech work on it, on Luke's face in particular? How would you feel about that?
3: I'd have no problem at all because I kind of want a Rogue One one to to maybe even improve the Tarkin stuff and the Leia stuff. Uh, So yeah, I'm on board with that. I think that's another thing George began that we all can (laughs) be okay with going forward.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing for me is just if the original is always preserved and accessible because I think storytelling should also be just a document of its time so i'd be happy if you were watching the mandalorian and you could hit a button to say like do you want advanced luke face tech or original Uh. (laughs) that would be a i don't know if they'll do that but that would be my preference all right so let's get into our overall reactions to the special itself did you enjoy this episode of disney gallery were you moved educated
3: what affected you give me your big picture I, I really really enjoyed it. I love watching other people in the show get moved and this one didn't necessarily move me but guess what In two weeks from now it could again it's it's so well put together. these things are wonderful and, and behind the behind the scenes content is another like Star Wars tradition. Obviously, I know that goes beyond uh, Star Wars, but it's just it's a Star Wars thing we've loved since the beginning. Oh, that was great. They made it. They moved. They moved me. How did they do it? And how did they move me? So I love uh, I love watching it. Uh, And there was some again, some things on the tech side where I was like, okay, I got it. Now I see why you did that or I see what you did. And I see the a uh, massive hill yet to climb to make it so. Just the face, the voice, all those things. So I, I really enjoyed it on that level.
2: Yeah, I think uh, for me, I, I think I was moved by the episode because the amount of sharing uh, from everybody involved about how much it meant to them. And I always feel this way with tech, even if I feel like when I'm watching something, I don't. It doesn't, the tech doesn't quite work for me, which doesn't happen that often. I'm always moved when I actually see how much work and time was put into it and what a challenge it was and how much care and compassion and resources went into it. So I was just really thrilled uh, to see the. The sense of care, and like, I know it's there, but we talk about it every week, and, you know, there can be negative voices that, you know, the easiest criticism is like, they just did it quick, somebody was lazy, blah, 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 and Mm -hmm. um, I just think that laziness happens so rarely, and it is great to just see and feel the sense of care about storytelling, uh, tech, continuity, fans, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting that this episode of Disney Gallery was structured to kind of have a thematic arc about fans' relationships. It's the first quote, and it's the last quote of this actual episode, uh, that they're really emphasizing that they are aware of the strength of connection, the emotional power that Star Wars has in people's lives. There's that great, great quote uh, from, from Favreau about being aware of, of how much, uh, uh, frankly, podcasts and opinions there are, right? Uh, I think he said, mm-hmm. if you choose to, you can dip into that river of information, of feedback. <laughs> you know, so he's really talking about that. And then it uh, it ends on him discussing uh, this power of Star Wars being uh, cross-generational, intergenerational, of the the fact that it isn't just that it's, it's family-friendly, so you can watch it with your whole family, but this idea that, at different ages, you make different connections to star Wars and that because it's baked into the story of star Wars moments like this, this final episode of season two where, uh, a, a child is kind of graduating, <laughs> yeah. you know, and a parent is having to say goodbye. So you're getting it. The star Wars story from the perspective of Luke staring at the twin sons of the kid who wants to leave. And here's a story from the perspective of a parent who has to let go, you know, is, um, It's really powerful in the fact that that Favreau is really talking about uh, that he is very aware that that is what is a part of what is the power of this is the fans connection and how what it means to them at different points in their lives. I I really thought it was powerful that that seemed to ultimately be the focus of this episode.
3: Yeah, I love the stuff at the end about uh, this particular moment representing something to a lot of different generations, right? Just like you talked about the parent thing, but just him saying Hey, poor, some of those fans—they see themselves as Luke Skywalker, but they're not Luke Skywalker anymore. <laughs> <They're not. laughs> uh, they're, 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 they've grown up with this, and they're a different spot. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of that really worked. And this, this one thing—the overall thing—this this special did for me, and, and and the galleries have done every time out is just—I I just feel so safe. Uh, I almost said safe and secure, but safe and just mm-hmm. kind of. Warm in the in the hands and the and the, the embrace of the creators of Star Wars these days. Every one of them, uh, just I trust what they do. And if it, even if none of it, not all of it hits, um, it, it, I, they are, the intentions are so great. I really believe that. I from from Kathy Kennedy on down uh, to the people, the VFX people, Landis fields in his locked away in his office looking at millions of Luke faces. <laughs> They're all putting care into this, and they do it every time
2: yeah no i i was starting to write down quotes where i was like yes they're 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 saying the things that we often talk about of like how much they care and and how they're weighing this decision and that decision and how everybody's working together and all these bounces like i'm i'm just now typing out the special so i'm gonna stop um I, I felt like that came across so clearly i think the the final big picture thing that i really got out of this and really enjoyed was seeing exactly what mark hamill's role is right because you mm-hmm when the episode first came out, we went on the emotional roller coaster of the actual story. And then as you come out into the credits, you're going into the sort of the real world story and you see Mark Hamill's name there and you're like, wow, that's great. So really seeing uh, what his role was, how it was approached and just getting that kind of basic answer of like, okay, well ultimately he came in and he performed it and communicated with the other actor. So you get this really, this sense that at the heart of it, Mark Hamill is, is driving the performance choices.
3: I, I love that you pointed that out. I, I highlighted that as well. Uh, you know, this this guy, Landis Fields, locked away working on the deep fake stuff and, and just putting it all together. And again, you, you touched upon it earlier, Joseph. Yeah, there was some e- criticisms lobbed at it, or they could have done They could have hired the 17 year old kid in his basement doing a YouTube deep fake. They could have done that. And yeah, they could have. And I think this, to me, they weren't directly addressing that. They were just kind of looking in the direction of those conversations. But it was Landis Field, the guy looking at all these faces that said, This was really about Mark Hamill having to teach the other actor, this guy Max, to be Luke. And, and he said that was more important than the tech because that had to be there who this character is a character mark hamill's clearly very protective of they highlight that as well and i thought that was at the core of the tech without that the tech's nothing
2: yeah absolutely and, I, and it was great that it that all that stuff was coming from the tech people right because they're like mm-hmm. yeah we, we we need this heart and this soul for us to do all of our cool wizardry So let's talk a little bit more about the tech process. What were the most intriguing things that you learned about the actual tech process of bringing Luke
3: back? What grabbed you? What grabbed me was... Abigail Keller, the VFX supervisor, talked about the faces, right? And again, and I've seen some deep fakes put together at my old job. I've kind of poked over the shoulders and I just go, I just shake my head and go, I, I, I don't know what how you do that. Or <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I'll just watch the end result. She said, everyone is an expert on faces because this idea of really when you especially go back to uh, original trilogy and you're looking at. Mark Hamill, not just as he ages, and then you know the infamous car accident, and everything, but just how the lighting, how they shot each scene. There's kind of a different look for everyone. Uh, in fact, the, our friend, the great Brian Ward, put out a, a funny sh- shot of uh, the Kenner figure <laughs> superimposed over the the uh, <laughs> Mark Hamill body, and said, "Yes, we all remember him differently." And that that was really that 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 means these 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 creators didn't just have to go, "Yeah, we're going to find a way to put Luke on screen and have him look uh, younger." Or as you remember, how? They had to make him. it's the impossible. It's like Luke himself, you asked the impossible. They have to make Luke look the same for millions of us. Uh, and I can tell you from 17 years of my old job of gathering witness statements, uh, I've never got someone get it 100% correct. Uh, you can, you'd be surprised. Oh, here's what my my grandma's missing. Here's what she's wearing. And she's not even in the, doesn't even look like what they described. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, and, and for them to address that of just like, you know, even, even Favre says, uh, you, know, you know, the outfit's not all black like you think. It's brown. Uh, you know, Palpatine's sitting on a purple chair. Just All these little details sometimes get lost on the big screen or, you know, the, the way they uh, color them, everything. So I focused on that, Joseph, just, just like, wow, that, this wasn't just uh, let's bring Luke back. Let's bring Luke back for everyone, which is nearly impossible.
2: Yeah, no, I love that conversation. I loved her quote about we're all experts on on faces. And I think, you know, your great stories of dealing with actual witness statements, it it, it really is about truth versus perception, right? Like, uh, we understand faces so intuitively that we sometimes don't have the greatest um, words for them. Mm. And I love that this was a discussion of like, uh, what makes Luke, Luke, as they said? Because, you know, is it what? Mark Hamill really truly looked like at that age in that era, or is it about how we perceive the character of Luke? Because yeah. this many people have uh, stared at this specific still the most. You know, yeah, is it Luke on the sail barge <laughs> with the green lightsaber that was most of the uh, you know, uh, trapper keepers in 1983? Is that Luke? You know, um, I, I really like that. And I, as an artist, as a visual artist, um. My skills are are very, very uh, rusty at this point. But, you know, I did go to uh, actual get a degree in in visual art, drawing and painting. And I just think Mark Hamill um, has a face that just does look very different from different angles and different lightings. Mm -hmm. All of our faces do. But in my opinion, from my experience of drawing faces, some people have faces that have a a wider
3: range. Mm -hmm. And I think Mark Hamill just does. So I thought that was really fascinating. I, he absolutely does. They, they highlighted like the first shots on Hoff. And again, yes, you can make reference to this infamous car accident. He's and everything. Uh, that's why they did the Wampus thing. Whatever. It doesn't matter. That, that as a kid, I remember going, that's Luke. It, it really did look different to me. Just everything about it. It's like a flatter face. He's, he's got the helmet. He's got the, and I just, so I remembered that differently than the other Luke's fascinating discussion.
2: Absolutely. If it's just age or you know, whatever is the, the, the true story behind, behind the kind of urban myth of the car accident, mm-hmm. I don't really care at, at, at this point myself, uh, whatever that is. It, it, I, I just kind of feel like even if you just went with Return of the Jedi, there is still so much uh, uh, change mm-hmm. and so much different attitude depending on perspective and lighting. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that um, discussion. Uh, the other part of the tech, for me, that was really big is the voice. Uh, I was totally in on the voice of like, that is perfect. I remember just feeling like that of, you know, the face, the tech, whatever. I was so in on it in that, that voice. I love every line of dialogue. I think every line of dialogue is perfect in that voice. Come little one. It's so peaceful and so perfect. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, Wow, they just—that is Mark Hamill, and they just got amazing tech to to de-age voices. Turns out I was entirely wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> that the voice was created by the this app ReSpeecher, right? Which mm-hmm. is uh, just you put in a bunch of data uh, on on people's voices, uh, examples, and they put it together. How did you feel about that one? Scared. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <I'm> afraid. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, it's people who have massive libraries of voices, right? <laughs> if anybody wanted to make us say anything, they could, right? Yeah, yeah. And talking about Star Wars, we have made every vowel sound possible, <laughs>
3: right? Scared, but uh, I'm I'm too. I, I no shame in admitting I hadn't even thought for a second that that wasn't some version of Mark's voice, you know, because he 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 played his he voiced himself in Forces of Destiny younger, and you could tell it was him doing a a younger self. Um, yeah. But it still was him. Right. And just, and I just, yeah, I didn't, you know, I remember that the voice seemed quote unquote different, but that, that's, I'm, I'm truly lying. If I said I was suspecting something, I didn't. And this was like a, Oh, I had to put down my coffee. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And and
2: it was Mark Hamill, right? Because it, mm-hmm. in a way, because it really yeah. is taking sounds that he has made and recombining them, uh, into these, uh, great lines of dialogue. Correct. Uh, final thing from the kind of the tech side is uh, I talked about really being happy to understand how Mark Hamill exactly contributed what he did. Um, and with that, we also got to an understanding of what the other actor did. Uh, the actor's name is Max Lloyd-Jones. But I was deeply amused that they did not say Max Lloyd-Jones. They're just like, you know, the other guy, Max, he was good too. And like, He's he's an actor with a long resume. They talked about how he was cast, but <laughs> I don't know why in this special. They just make it sound like yeah, Max. Yeah, we, we found him out uh, behind a 7-Eleven.
3: <laughs> I'm uh, glad you looked that name up. I, I didn't do that. And I just yeah, that was absolutely hilarious. And I'm sure, you know, I don't, I don't know this Max guy. I don't say t- I don't think he has some big ego, but you got to be at home going say say it. <laughs> say more than max i'm luke i finally can tell people i'm luke i'm luke
2: yeah and he clearly did a great job uh, performing all the the lightsaber or a lot of the lightsaber stuff and, yeah. and everything you know so yeah shout out to max lloyd jones if i had to guess and i'm totally guessing it just seems like th- this is a celebration of mark hamill and they wanted to acknowledge max lloyd jones contribution but but didn't want to make it about him mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 In this particular instance, but he did a great job and his his name is out there now. Uh, Not just Max Max Lloyd Jones. All right, Ken, let's move on then to what we found most interesting in terms of uh, the storytelling or storytelling philosophy behind the return of Luke Skywalker.
3: Yeah, uh, the the highlight for me that the the title sentence of this uh, part of the essay here is uh, uh, Luke had to serve this story. And not his own story. I, I think it was uh, was it Richard Bluff that said it's got, Luke was no maybe it's Peyton Reed that Luke was Luke was kind of de- a device, mm-hmm. and that was a great way to just go back to there's this other statement of uh, wish fulfillment meeting expectations of the story. It's a wish f- fulfillment of, of of many fans. Some fans, some you know we you know didn't want Luke there, but. Uh, just aligning that up with the expectations of this story and serving the one that they've, you know, this two-year completed arc that we now got from Grogu and Din, and and I, I think they did. That's why I think they really nailed it. So I love that they, that clearly, they had to go into that knowing that's what they needed
2: to do. Yeah, no, I mean we are on the the very same page here. I loved how much they talked about being hyper aware of not having Luke's presence take over the story. And yeah, and it was Peyton Reed who said, he's really, he's a device in Din in Grogu's story. And the audience is going to go on an emotional journey of their their thrill at seeing Luke. And and for a moment, our emotional journey is going to be flashing back to all of our relationships with Luke. And what does it mean to us that he's returning? But it did segue so beautifully and so well. And I'm, I'm glad that they spent a little bit of time talking about, uh, how they constructed that and the E.T. comparisons. It, it, it swings back to, you know, Din and Grogu. And, and, and for Luke returning uh, in the huge uh, just explosion of emotion that was evident on social media, there was just as much of explosion of emotion of of Din taking off the helmet and Grogu touching his face. Like, mm-hmm. that's, it's
3: just as emotional. And I think they really succeeded on that. Uh, it's so weird I, I had not seen E.T. since the 80s uh, And I just did a rewatch of that For uh, our, our channel over there at the, at the GPA And, and you know, loved it It's a classic for a reason, right? It's one of those things And so I had that fresh in my head And when Peyton Reed brought that up I was like, oh my god It, it, it just worked It really worked And and taking a moment with all the characters in And, and just, they played it Really, really well, and 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 you talk. You, you, your first question of like, how, how you feeling about this Luke moment now? I I, I think I'm going to get even more enjoyment out of it when you put all these pieces together. And that's what I love. That's what you and I love about this stuff, right? Just you can continue to go back to the Star Wars well and just and just be you know, nourished, yeah, again and, and in a different way.
2: Yeah, yeah, and in comparing it to life experiences you've had since the first time you watched it or other storytelling that's come out, it, yeah, it, it is just very, very rich, uh, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's uh, great that we get to see the, how much people care about it like this with and care about the storytelling. Uh, another little beat that I liked is uh, Filoni saying if he had been, oh no, Luke is, uh, that's, I'm not sure about that, that that John Favreau would have respected that, and the, them kind of saying that we were really aligned on this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we've kind of gleaned from lots of things that that they've said and it's our opinion interpreting things that they've said that, you know, Favreau is really approaching this from, I was inspired by the things that inspired George and, and I want to push and pull and see where I can where I can go. And Filoni obviously uh, truly believes that Star Wars needs to evolve and needs to have the new, but he's also very much protective of like but what are the parts of star wars that are stable and should remain stable you know so it was just really great to hear them both kind of reflect on that balance of uh we want to create things new we're getting the support from kathleen kennedy to Mm -hmm. you know be daring and, and try different things but we're also really really aware of what feels right what is right given the storytelling, giving the philosophy, you know, and that I think that really came through.
3: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, 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 gotta tell you, I, you know, all, all do uh, your spotlight on Filoni and his in, interpreting Star Wars and, and, and telling people about it and, and everyone gets chills listening to him talk. I, I, I do too. I think Favreau uh, is underrated in that regard. And this, and this one actually kind of made me uh uh, maybe ho- hopefully other people will pick up on that uh, uh, as well. He is a storyteller. He loves this. And if he doesn't know every little detail, you know, Peyton Reed didn't know. I think Plo Koon was from the other one. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you can get caught up on that. And, and Baloney knows it backward and forward and and, and and as he should and as you'd expect. But uh, everything Favreau said in here, when he that's that thing of, um, you know, there's room for all archetypes. talking about again, you know, hey, maybe not Luke this time around. Uh, and, and when he talked about how in this in this day and age, everyone has their own login, <laughs> which means everyone in your house or your friend group or your family or relationship is looking for different things out of storytelling. And Star Wars has to exist in this modern world. And I think uh, we have a belief here that it's succeeding at it and exceeding expectations by giving uh, you know, different elements to everybody while also still capturing the magic. And Favreau has a really good handle on that. and I, I You know, not surprised. I love swingers. <laughs> I um, but uh, th- it, it, I re- that was one of my favorite things about this particular episode. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think uh, uh, one of the other things that really affected me about the storytelling philosophy, or I guess actually the storytelling process, is one, just hearing one of the creators say, hey, uh, this was great to wrap up the uh, two-season arc of Grogu's story. Like. Mm-hmm. That is that has felt evident to me as a person who uh, watches Star Wars and talks about it and is a storyteller myself. Of like, this feels right. Yeah. Uh, this feels like that is resolved, and the continuation of the story is Din standing there with a a laser sword that gives him responsibility that he's not particularly interested or knowledgeable about.
4: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, but that was just like that was a little bit of a gut punch of like, I know this, but as a thing to hear it <laughs> of like, yeah, no, that's Grogu's story. I'm like. Uh, I, you know, you know what I'm saying. Of like, yeah. I, I knew that, but then it was different to hear it.
3: Yeah, we're we're waiting for the Grogu uh Jedi Academy movie. Maybe that's gonna come. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That, that was a gulp. Mo- like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, tell, I'm I'm there with you on that. Yeah, and then also the
2: final thing for me, just kind of the timeline of when they were working on this. Uh, like, you know it's a long time ago, but just really having it confirmed that they're going over to to Mark Hamill's house with his Luke Skywalker costume and the Grogu yeah. doll in December of 2019, right? When uh yeah. the final episodes of uh of The Mandalorian season 1 are airing, you yeah. know, Rise of Skywalker has either just come out or is about to. It's a it's a real moment in Star Wars, but I just think hearing that timeline and remembering that creators are way ahead of fans. Again, this is something that I think everybody logically knows, but emotionally we can forget to focus on Yeah, that season two is not a response to our response to season one, right? So true that they are so far ahead of it uh, (laughs) that these decisions are being made and move forward on so far ahead so they're really telling the story that they think is right to tell with all that respect that you hear them them giving to uh fans yeah. uh in such an awareness that everybody has an emotional reaction to it and such a sense of responsibility but also like that's their job and they should be doing it of going what is the story that i want to tell with respect <laughs> but um but but you know they are not waiting to listen to, you know, an aggregate of forty podcasts and then go, What should we do? You so,
3: know? So what you're telling me, and I'm yeah, I'm gonna get snarky. You're, you're telling me that when I was fortunate enough to stand at an after party and see Ryan Johnson and JJ in the same space, that JJ didn't come up and say, I'm gonna go against everything you just did, that the script and everything was already written. Are you telling me that, Joseph? <laughs> yeah, I am. Okay. I am. Okay. okay. I'm gonna make a note of that. You going to make a note of that? All right, cool. Yeah. That's my
2: strong opinion. Uh, Final question here for the first half of our podcast is we got to address the Jedi in the room. How would you have felt if Grogu
3: was indeed rescued by Plo Koon? I would have uh, I would have enjoyed it. I would not have started a a hashtag to to uh, say this is the, the better choice over Luke or the less better of a choice. It would have been the choice and they would have made it work. Like, oh, seriously, they would have made it work. Uh, I also think I would have had a hearty laugh.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the whole thing is I think when we are watching the show, the season two of Mandalorian and it is building to, Oh wow. It looks like this is happening that Ahsoka's given the advice. Aren't many Jedi out there, but have him call and one might show up. And you know, we did all our, our podcasts about, uh, well, who is going to show up? It turns into a drop down menu, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that is not the way the storytellers are necessarily uh, coming at it. It's just, it, it's really about what is the story that we want to tell. And it sounds like they were really like this. We want to tell this story about Grogu who would rescue him. Mm. Well, uh, of, of course it's Luke Skywalker. So it doesn't seem like there's, it was ever, you know, uh, maybe Quinlan Voss, maybe like, you know, <laughs> that's not uh, the way they're approaching it. So I feel like if Plo Koon had showed, ha, had, had arrived, yeah. It would be because there's a storytelling reason that they have a story to tell with Plo Koon or have the story to tell about the, the Jedi who survived Order 66, but, but didn't really rise up mm-hmm. during the rebellion. Right. Um, yeah. So I feel like if I saw Plo Koon, I would be like, oh, this means they are better, in my opinion, announce the Plo Koon Disney Plus series because. How is he here now? Why is he active now? Why is he ask, act, answering yeah. cries for help now? So I felt like if Plo Koon showed up, that to me would have been the announcement for the, the
3: Plo Koon Disney Plus series. You know, that would have worked. That would have worked. I, I love, I, I think you made reference to it earlier, but uh, there's a moment there. And again, timeline, and they're coming up with this idea, you know, in 2019. But Filoni kind of said something about like, you know, like, of of all the characters to come get the child, Grogu, who's been, you know, swept up and stole the hearts of the world of fans, Luke kinda of is the only one. Not just I, I didn't take that just as story wise, which I would agree uh that 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 is or think that is the case, but just as fans. Like who 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 could we give the responsibility of Grogu, the the the, the child, this the merchandise monster we love? <laughs> who can we give that to? Oh, it, it's Luke Skywalker.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's a really great point. I think it was uh, Filoni who said, yeah, yeah, you got to have somebody who you trust that he leaves with. And obviously there's more story to be told of eventually what happened to Grogu. I still talk to fans who have deep fear that uh, Kylo (laughs) eliminated Grogu, (laughs) Uh, which I don't think that's going to be the story. So obviously there is there is a story to be told down the road. But to me, that seems like a story possibility. I think using Luke made it feel like a button. It made it feel like this is Grogu's story. Grogu went to where he needed to go, the most trustworthy Jedi possible at this time. And it's not a, who's Quinlan Voss? Like, look, I want to see Quinlan Voss back, but it's not like, you know, it's, it, I think if he, I think if Plo Koon took Grogu, it would feel like Grogu's story isn't resolved. And Luke mm-hmm. taking him makes it feel like his story is
3: resolved for now. Yeah, I really agree with that. There's, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Final thought for me is I love that they show the the just the the length they went to everything is funny the the artwork the cool mask designs the you know the Pokun's head on, on Luke super funny but I love that they showed uh, the script the fake script and Pokun's line when he bursts in is which one of you is Grogu. <laughs> which is uh, just hilarious to me, and I wish uh, James Arnold Taylor and Matthew Wood would get together and record that line as Ploku. Yeah, would be great. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to discuss some of the other interesting uh, philosophical tidbits we got from this episode of Disney Gallery. All that in just a moment.
3: Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments.
2: And we are back. We've talked to some of the big picture stuff, but I just wanted to pull out a couple of the details that grabbed us both, Ken. I wanted to focus in on this uh, Mark Hamill uh, point and joke. Uh, Mark Hamill is so great. He has such a great sense of humor, and sometimes he makes a good point and a joke at the same time. And he described it that way of kind of joking with George Lucas, uh, where he compared the original trilogy... James Bond just getting his license to kill the idea being that the original trilogy makes Luke a fully formed Jedi but then we don't get to see his exploits as a Jedi and there's kind of a similar conversation happening right now about Rey's journey in the sequel trilogy she's all set up she's got her uh, yellow lightsaber she is a Jedi what's next Um, arguably the same conversation with Finn and in some ways I think The same is true of the prequel trilogy of it gets Anakin uh, where he's going to go. And in some ways, the Clone Wars animated series makes room for all of those just uh, fun, but also meaningful exploits that Anakin has as a Jedi. So I would argue that the point that Mark Hamlet's making is true of of all three of the trilogies, uh, that they are about the characters becoming who they're going to be. What do you think that says about the nature of Star Wars storytelling?
3: I think it's just a series of it's the journey, not the destination stories uh, and, and, and tying to the, the the growing up and the choices and all those things, which doesn't mean the destination doesn't start a new journey. Right. Uh, it, it's uh, Minnesota's own semisonic that sings every new beginning, <laughs> to some other beginnings. end. Uh, that uh, new journey should con- uh, should continue to change the characters. Right. Like or, or form the character, reform them. And, and that's always kind of potentially dangerous when you're doing that. I look at The Last Jedi of um that being kind of a destiny we find luke at a destination he's reached that point and maybe it even begins at the end of jedi or maybe at the end of mando somewhere along the timeline right and so when you sh- you sit down for the last jedi yeah i understand There's gonna be a lot of disappointment going he has a license to heal and i never got to see him use it uh <laughs> but that is uh that that Octo is now the end and then the beginning of the next chapter of Luke's life. And, and Star Wars is just about that. And I think it ties into a lot of things we might even talk about here with hope and and, and morality and choices and all those things we celebrate every week on Force Center. But I, I think Mark's point is 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 correct. Like it, it's correct. Uh, and 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 that's the point. And and hopefully maybe one day you get more storytelling, or you just get to imagine it.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, if you are fans of the uh, the new Jedi Order and the expanded universe, you got all those exploits in book form. That's part of what people really love about Luke. So I certainly want to acknowledge that. I think for me, it's just this really huge reminder that the three trilogies are coming of age stories. You you said it well about their their uh, their the journey and you get to the destination at the end. Uh, but I think especially the original trilogy, that is a coming of age story for Luke Skywalker. Uh, I think a sequel trilogy is a coming of age story for Ray, uh, for the prequel trilogy, you coined the great term, uh, coming of rage. <laughs> it's a coming of rage story, uh, for Anakin. Uh, and then we don't necessarily see the exploits in of Vader except for in the comics. Uh, and then we got to see the exploits of Anakin in the Clone Wars. So uh, I think it's just this really profound that, that is baked into the heart of Star Wars, a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether that's coming of of young age or coming of middle age or coming of end of life age, that there's are stories of of transitional moments and, and deciding who you want to be um, is really powerful. to Star Wars storytelling. I also really gravitated toward this because I think it's a really interesting way to talk about some of the differences in narratives that I think as a culture, we've been discussing more because we're absorbing so much storytelling. We talked about this previously, that there's this difference between serialized storytelling where every chapter is continuing uh, one main story, one main journey, right? Uh, And then there is uh, the episodic storytelling, which is the one-off adventures. And those one-off adventures are often featuring characters who are steadfast, who just go and have a fun journey, and they're not fundamentally changed uh, by the adventure that they have in the episodic storytelling. And I think it's so interesting to think about serialized and episodic because it kind of tells us what we want out of a story, right? Because the trilogy, uh, the trilogies, the journeys, uh, those are moments of great change. The characters are fundamentally changed by the adventures. Mm. And I think the question is, If you had like a Luke Skywalker animated show, there's definitely room for him to grow and change and uh, mature and have ups and downs, just like Anakin does in the Clone Wars. Uh, But you do have to ask, how would people feel if there was like a Luke Skywalker animated show and it was truly episodic and it was his, you know, exploits as a Jedi? The same way James Bond movies, the vast majority of James Bond movies, James Bond doesn't change. Mm -hmm. He has an adventure and you just spend time with the character, you know, and what changes is the villain, the location, the action scenes. And I think, I think it's really important for people to think about when they say like, I want more Luke, I want more Ray. Do you want stories that are episodic where the characters are steadfast and the characters don't
3: change a ton? That's a, it's, that's a great question because, uh, because the the uh, I think I'm thinking of Indiana Jones, too. I, I would call it mostly episodic. And what what connects is running jokes, right? Snakes and this or that or going to school and not wanting to teach that, you know, and 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 Bond. Yeah, you know, I love the Daniel Craig Bonds because I think they're more serialized, right? You're, you're Absolutely. More fun at, But that's what I was never really. Much as I love Anita Jones, which also, again, (laughs) Spielberg, I'm going to direct a James James Bond movie. George says, I got something better, but something similar. Uh, Even though I love those, I didn't get pulled in by the Bonds because there's something about that reset button at the beginning of each movie that, eh, you know, I don't know, doesn't connect with me because I I think maybe I still need to come of age. So, (laughs) a question because it could work for Luke. It really could work. And, and even I would have to go into it reminding myself, like, hey, this is going to be different. Luke's not going to come out of every episode going. And now I learned that. That's um, a great question that I'm even asking myself, uh, you know, would I be into that? Yeah, no, and I think Indiana
2: Jones is a great example where a character can go through something. Like I would argue in the first film, he, he kind of has some amount of resolution with his relationship with Marion. And the third one is certainly about his relationship with yeah. his dad, but that's an individual element. He doesn't yeah. end up going... And now I am more complete as Indiana Jones. Like, he hasn't changed who he is. He's worked through a relationship, right? So you have room to challenge the characters. But I just think, like, this episode of The Mandalorian is kind of a great example, I think, to Mark Hamill's point, of one of his exploits as a Jedi. And the whole point, to me, of Luke's appearance and why it works is because it is not about Luke. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Luke is a beautiful, kind Uber ride. He is asked to come pick up Grogu and he does and it is so not about him to the point that he doesn't even inquire what's going on (laughs) on this bridge bunch of Mandalorians and uh, some fallen Imperials I'm sure you guys all got some stuff to do I'm not engaging unless you ask me that's how deeply it's not about me that's how deeply it's steadfast in an episodic adventure for Luke I went and did this thing that I was asked to do it's not about me I'm not changing so
3: true so true yeah. yeah. Well,
2: thank you for letting me dive in and, and indulge on that uh, fascination.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, let's dive into some other stuff here. Uh, Favreau and Filoni talk about John Favreau getting teary eyed at the sight of R2 interacting with Grogu. Favreau says he doesn't know why that is. Uh, why do you think it is that he got teary eyed specifically at R2?
3: I mean, you and I just did a droids episode where we said, "Did anyone love R two in the 80s? Uh, was he your favorite <laughs> character? You know, Mark Ellis and John Favre. Two people I uh, could say uh, that's the answer. Now, uh, look, here is the thing: I completely understand because I don't understand myself, right? <laughs> like, right? I, 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 it just would, it just, it just gets you. It just why, why you know the points that I cry at Rise of Skywalker. I kind of understand why. I kind of know what it connects to. But why does it still get me? And why am I so so pulled in by Star Wars? It's Favreau's crying because it's Star Wars and it's his heart. It's his childhood. He still loves telling the story. He's mentioned it a few times. I was an usher in a theater and I saw this all the time. That's how much I love it. I don't know all the scenes from Empire by heart like Filoni does, but man, this is in my heart. And I think we all experience that complete lack of understanding what the tears are rolling down your uh, face.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think uh I think there's a beauty in just saying, you know, let let me just feel it. I don't need to overanalyze it. Um but I'm going to ruin that beauty and I'm going to overanalyze it. <laughs> I just think it it, it goes to it, him saying that really reminded me of the absolute power of that Force Awakens trailer of Han saying Chewie we're home or Han saying it's true all of it. You know, I think that sometimes in the storytelling of star Wars, that the core ingredients of star Wars just kind of come to the surface. And I think that there's something about the nature of star Wars. Filoni calls them, you know, magic, uh, characters that there's magic in them. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's this absolute triumph of childhood joy over any world weary cynicism, Right. And I think the way Favreau is talking about like, look, i am it's all cool. I'm always amazed, but I'm also there doing my job and I'm paying attention. And yep, other people were, were, were breaking down at Mark Hamill and I get that. But then this little droid came in and I don't know why that's what finally got to me. And I just I just feel like because that's the character that he had attachment to is just like his own childhood joy triumphing. Not even over him being uh, cynical, but him like wearing the armor of adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. Of saying, I'm here to be in charge of this. I'm, I, it, this is great. I'm, I'm loving it, but I'm kind of emotionally putting that to the side mm-hmm. and I'm doing my job. And here's something that breaks, that comes in, Archie rolls in just like for just a second, take all the ar- armor of adulthood off and just feel that joy. And I think the fact that that can happen to me is just like, it's this feeling of a dream, a fantasy coming true. It, it, it's that feeling that Star Wars is this step into a larger world that that philosophically argues that uh, there's connection between all of us. There, there's a bigger world, a bigger reality out there and, and we can feel it. We can all be a part of it, right? Yeah. And, and here's this droid just literally rolling in and making this professional adult feel that way right uh it's right. this ancient past reawakening a, a thing that he thought never could return mm-hmm. returning yeah
3: yeah yeah uh you, you didn't ruin anything i think you you made it uh, even um even better and, and deeper and, and it has those meanings and and you, you and i even talked about uh in some of our favorite r2 moments on that star wars ranked I, I highlighted this one too of just there's something so warm and comforting about r2 being the one having that little moment with grogu almost making Grogu feels safe and, and perhaps that's what R2 kind of p- provides all of us especially if you if you grew up in that era it's just R2's here we're gonna be okay we're yeah. gonna be okay the, the picture is complete how could there be any
2: problems in Filoni's uh, story about you know uh, telling John Favreau of like look look Artu's gonna be there too in that picture that was all like really sweet and awesome
3: oh yeah that, i'd love to. he sell that uh, that little uh, art piece for charity or something i I'd, I'd put that on my wall in a heartbeat yeah
2: yeah absolutely uh beautiful and, and i think you know floney made some really good and kind points about that full circle of this character that that you created john of grogu interacting with his character you love that there's a, a real beautiful full circle there yeah Uh, And speaking of things being beautiful, uh, Filoni makes the point towards the end that ultimately Star Wars should leave you with a good feeling or an uplifting feeling. Uh, Do we agree with that, Ken? And
3: if so, why? I 100% agree with it, specifically for Star Wars. Uh, that's that's what's at the core of this. That's why I think it was created. And and look, if, if you want an R-rated Vader series or you, you want some R-rated Star Wars, you, you just really wanted to see a Padme, Anakin, sex scene, I got nothing for you other than <laughs> go, go chase your dreams. I. I get it. I'm, mean, I, you know, again. I, everyone knows I'm this Game of Thrones fan, and and there's some stuff in there that still makes me blush or makes me squeamish. I, I I'm not opposed to that. I love the Deadpool series. I, I'm not opposed to any of that. I just don't think Star Wars was built on that. But if you're going to use darkness, and there's darkness in Star Wars, there's- a little bit, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I can still hear the cries of those nine-year-olds behind me at the Cinerama Dome during Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> watching Palpatine <laughs> be electrocuted by his own uh, rays. There, uh, darkness does have a, have a place in Star Wars because that darkness is to me, to me, is kind of used. Yeah. As a mirror, and we should learn from that reflection of the darkness of the story, of the world, of yourself looking back at you. And it's important for those lessons uh, to move you forward with the sense of hope. If this is about change, we all have to face that long, dark tea time of the soul, where you dig in deep and you see what's there. It might be literally Ray at a cave at a cave mirror, as we talked about on a scene by scene, and it's just that simple for Star Wars. And tucked in at the end of the the Mando gallery, uh, the the this episode. Uh, I think it was episode two of season one uh, So many colons So many colons uh, Talked into the end of that <laughs> now famous Filoni Duel of the Fate speech Which I watched again this morning And it is wonderful But the end of that is this idea of George Lucas telling him Remember to make these stories hopeful Remember to give that to kids Because they really need it Star Wars was built on them And that was that is what Filoni is talking about to me It's present in other stories too other big myths and fables. I'm a Lord of the Rings guy, too. I love the hope at the end. The joy of F- F- Frodo and Sam and everyone gallivanting around and uh, having rollicking around in a bed. Love it. So much hope. But Star Wars specifically needs to be built on this. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you.
2: I think I really love dark storytelling. And I think I've gone through my journey like when I was young. Um a lot of television uh, in particular in movies were episodic. Like no matter how a- awful something happened, the characters would just seem to forget it the next episode or next movie and it seemed like nothing really lasted. Mm-hmm. And I think that gave myself and many people of my generation a real hunger for, let's have truly vicious things happen to our characters and let's see them actually impacted by it because it was a weird contrast to grow up in in the 80s in particular when like if nuclear war doesn't get you aids will or razors and candy but mm-hmm. nothing will ever harm a sitcom character no matter what in <laughs> fact no life experience seems to change them in any way shape or form so i think i i've always had a love for the the dark and gritty and the broody because it feels mm-hmm. real and then therefore honest um yeah. but then then i think we've had now literally decades of kind of gritty, sometimes gritty storytelling told for the sake of being gritty, you know? Yeah. And if it doesn't have anything to say, if it's just like it's, it, yeah, we went there. We killed people. We we ended on a really down note. Yeah, we went there. Unless I'm learning something, it's just sort of like, I know the world can be really rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't need to just be reminded of that. And I think that's why I've come to love Star Wars, because I think Star Wars has so much darkness. If you break it down, mm. Star Wars is basically, I, I think, it, it can get distracting because we talk about hope and the word hope gets used a ton in the storytelling. But I think, think Star Wars has so much dark storytelling to kind of tell you, look, these things are real and there some amount of it is always going to be there. There's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. They always exist. But here's the great thing. Hope is always there, too. And when you look at some, like, the darkest stories and the darkest eras, the fact that Revenge of the Sith is quite brutal, but what image does it end on, right? Yeah. Luke with the the kind adoptive parents, you know, staring out in, in hope, right? Um, Bad Batch, we are loving because it's all about, hey, the entire galaxy is suddenly realizing, oh no, we're utterly screwed. But who are we spending time with? This young, hopeful, buoyant figure of Omega. And I think uh, there's just so many examples in Star Wars that really takes the time to say, we are we are being honest with you. We are not handing you just like a, a motivational poster and going, don't worry about it. Put on a smile and everything will be fine. It's really saying there is horrible darkness. But here's the thing. Here's how you get through it. Here's how you have hope. Here's how you have friendship. Here's how you have family. Here's how you pick yourself up when you fall down. It, no. the, the hope works because there's so much darkness
3: absolutely i mean star wars has the it, it it began for us all in 77 with a floating death ball wiping out societies as we know it, one planet at a time, at a time.
4: <laughs> right <laughs> the
3: shadow of darkness was literally floating over all of us there in that story yeah look it's it's, it's sometimes it's, it's each your own but like I, in terms of music i i, I love a good uh, rock pop song and everything but like uh, you know replacement singing here comes a regular which is sad and depressing but also i find rays of hope in it because it, it helps me look back at, at who we, who i am and how i can move forward for things right that's just that's just some of of of, of, of things i i love but i, I think you're right i just i'm not just i, I don't mean just make, make a flippant joke but if you really are craving anakin slicing people in threes or something and you want to see it i i i, I, I if it's used correctly i'm there for it but how uh, how you use it and and the big thing you and i always go about the why of it the mm-hmm. why star wars wants you to ask why if you can if you can answer that in a, in a good way with that 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 violence or that uh you know grittiness i'm there for it it just i just don't think the answer the answer often comes back we don't need it
2: yeah yeah absolutely and i i'm happy to see vader cut people in threes as long as i you know learn something <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, because so this is what we do. And I, 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 that You mentioned the Vader Rogue One uh, hallway scene. You and I love that scene. We love it for a lot of reasons. We love it because, wow, we see Vader go full Vader. And I I, I did. And I, I, I'm sure we've mentioned on the show 10 times. I'm so sorry, folks. But like it popped in my head recently because someone's like, it, "It great scene. It doesn't do anything doesn't do anything and i'm like it it it, it I, I told this person it, it shows the vader fueled by anger and, and violence and destruction got nothing the thing he needed he watches it flying away that's the point of the scene it's the point of that darkness should be a reflection that either you learn from or you don't that's just my thought yeah no then that control slipping away from him it's a
2: it's a fist tightening right and just that that little disc that little symbol of hope like none of those men can get away from him but together they can get that hope away from him and keep it alive that's that to me is the point yeah. and you know you you talk about um uh sideburns guy bushy eyebrows guy uh in a new hope like you know there's also like inspiration in like those dudes are standing up against mm-hmm. a true marching horror and they're like no no uh, we we yeah. will not back down like does that guy in the beginning of hope know what happened to all of his friends right <laughs> when he's concentrating there with his blaster but he's still there still there yeah. Anyway, we could uh, go off into a long Vader discussion, but uh, we're heading towards our final questions here uh, for this discussion. At Disney Gallery. There's a ton of time at the end of this special, can discussing the responsibility of mm-hmm. deep fake technology. How did you feel about that? And uh, are you going to watch Fantasia now that uh, <laughs> John Favreau <laughs> made a whole uh, connection between deep fake technology and the magic book in Fantasia?
3: I a mean, wonderful connection. I, I it's been decades since I've seen Fantasia, and I was a little frightened. But dance, those dancing mops are scaring me. Mom, turn it off. <laughs> uh, it's it's worth a, a, a review, a review and repeat viewing. Absolutely. Uh, I I oddly enough really liked it. It it, it stood out, right? It, it stood out. They spent they spent some time on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I get it, and and I was slightly amused by that, but also I I really liked that they did that. Uh, again, just remembering all the calls on, on the Internet of just ah, this and that and deep fake this and deep fake that. And I, I got to tell you, it, it's a Star Wars theme, powerful light, powerful dark, and anyone can have access to the tech. Favre literally pointed that out. Anyone can just you can just download this tech. You can do this at home. Um, but again, why are you going to use it and what are you going to do with it it's a star wars question it's a star wars quandary a choice is in front of you you and i talk about the force light and dark shows up and every choice these characters make in star wars whether they have a lightsaber and a cloak or not and this uh this was a star wars lesson right here
2: i think that is exactly right i totally agree with it and you know speaking of the the hallway scenes and the comparison between vader in rogue one and and Luke in the Mandalorian, you know, I don't know if this was the choice, uh, part of the choice for the, the Mandalorian creators, uh, they didn't say on Disney Gallery, to to create those, those obvious echoes. But to me, it's one of the best images in Star Wars. You know, you see people posting like father, like son, and, and the great power to me of combining those two images, those two hallways is, you know, the metaphor of Star Wars is, yeah, we don't all have laser swords and can throw things across the room with our mind, but we all have power. We're all going down a hallway and we can choose how we use that power. And Vader makes one choice and Luke makes another. And I think connecting that to like deep fake technology and saying it's a power it's a magic book (laughs) Mm. you choose how to use the power we as a society are going to choose how to use the power and please please let's use it responsibly i thought was really interesting for them to focus on
3: i uh i think i think that's how star wars should be retitled star wars we're all going down a hallway episode (laughs) one
2: (laughs) yes and then uh my final more jokey thought on this was uh, i'm sure that's just the analogy that came to his mind but Aren't we lucky that it was a Disney movie that came to his mind, so they could use clips? Because if he had used another movie as an example,
3: and and I, they should really uh, uh, next movie playing recommended viewing, uh, Fantasia should really uh, synergy corporate synergy. I'm okay. It, it
2: it really worked with me. I really want to watch Fantasia. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> any other moments or beats or ideas from this that you wanted to discuss as we wrap up?
3: Uh, no, all good. I, I love seeing uh, you know, Hamill at his home over there in Malibu, just playing with that toy. A lot of a lot of fun there. Uh, and then I, you know, Peyton Reed, man, you know, he did a really good job with the, these uh his two episodes this season, and and he's had a lot of success elsewhere. Obviously, uh, I just liked hearing him getting a little time with him a little more uh, and his excitement, joy, and understanding, and also understanding when to get out of the way. Um, some great stuff on set of like how should he do? She oh, she, he should just. Fifth great. Uh, I love seeing that, and and him mentioning that. Yeah, I, I was doing behind the scenes uh, documentaries on Forrest Gump. It was a reminder of uh, your your own career, my own career, everything, everyone's choices and journeys in life. It, it's a long road, and don't give up. And uh, you'll look back and and be amazed at where you where you came from. Yeah,
2: no, the great stuff with Peyton Reed. I, I love that story of uh, him asking John Favreau, are you, are you messing with me? Oh, we're, we're bringing the guy back. The guy. It's <laughs> really good. It captured uh, a lot. Uh, c- just two other things for me. I, I, I was intrigued that they acknowledged that everything else leaked, that Ahsoka leaked, that yeah. Boba Fett leaked, uh, and, and how much they wanted to keep this secret, mm-hmm. uh, which leads to uh, my last favorite thing, uh, which a lot of great stuff with Richard Bluff, uh, but I love the through line of him not being able to bring himself to say Luke Skywalker because he wasn't allowed to even say those two words yeah. for two years. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, I think I can say it now. That was really powerful and funny.
3: Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff.
2: Excellent. Well, uh, we we lift our uh, imaginary mime glasses to uh, everybody uh, who worked on this. It was truly great to see Mark Hamill in particular. I really want to highlight that because it was really great to see him, hear his thoughts, uh, see him still being a part of this role. And great uh, to see everybody who worked on this so hard. To get to share it with them a little bit was absolutely great. That is it for our discussion of the Disney Gallery episode. Ken, where can people find
3: us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're available on a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher TuneIn, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Merch is available at Tpulp.com slash user slash Four Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Center. We still have those Four Center one thousand commemorative posters. Ready to go out If you want to support At a top uh, tier At one of the top two tiers You get that poster Just once Just support us once And you get that Commemorative poster Designed by the great Brian Ward Go to patreon.com Slash Center For more uh, You can follow me At Katnapsok Or go to my website Katnapsok.com If you're local to SoCal Got a comedy show Coming up at the Ha Ha Cafe Tuesday night August 31st Details on my website Joseph
2: Excellent. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can get links to all of my other comedy adventures of all kinds on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, that is it. For myself, for Ken, and of course for Plo Koon, this has been Force Center.